alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome everyone. My name is Hiba Latresh, Femiso Vice President, and I will be your host for today's session with an exciting lineup of guest speakers. Femiso Now is a live stream and podcast series by Femiso on diverse topics pertaining to youth. We will be live on both YouTube and Facebook. So if you're watching this live, you're welcome to engage in the comments as we will be taking questions from the audience. FEMISO is the forum of European Muslim youth and student organizations, and 2021 marks our 25th anniversary. Today, we will dive into youth in climate activism. Two guests are joining us. We have Pega Molana from the UK, an environmental lawyer. She is the chair of the programming committee on youth at the youth department of the Council of Europe and a member of the advisory council of youth where she is the lead of the portfolio of climate crisis. Florence Pouilly, from France, based in Switzerland, was the head of the Green Department within the French student organization's OMF and is the current project lead of FEMISO's upcoming international activity on environmental advocacy. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. So to start a little bit um, and to get right into the topic, could you guys tell us a bit more uh, of the issue. Why do we talk about emergency around climate? And what do we mean with the climate? Floros, do you want to go first? As you want. No, you um, can go first. <laughs> okay, so I will say that for me, um, I mean, not for me, for everyone, uh, it is, uh, I mean, the past 20 years, uh, at least we saw uh, 7,348 uh, major disasters uh, occurred between 2000 and 2019 uh, that affect a lot of people. Also, uh, I think we have more than 34 million people uh, who, are, who are actually uh, food insecure, um, which is uh, an extreme uh, a situation. Uh, so I will talk about the um, humanitarian uh, crisis, uh, the humanitarian crisis that we are living in and that we uh, come soon. Um, also uh, because that touched uh, every one of us and we saw a lot of um, uh, climate disasters in the world. I mean, Australia wasn't um, a joke or things that we saw on the TV and like disconnected from the, the, the problem. So every, every part of the masses um, species extinction or the climate crisis is, is, is part of it. Yes, and, and just to add on to Florence, um, what we see or what we talk about climate is that it's our, it's our habitable land, it's our heritage and it's our culture. So uh, when they say that uh, it's a climate crisis, it's a heritage crisis, it's a history crisis. And it's something that we cannot detach ourselves from. Um, what we have seen here is that climate change is the result of the expanding dependence of humankind to fossil fuels, uh, to industrialization, to a growing demand on overpopulation. The planet's average uh, temperature has risen to um, 1.18 Celsius since the 19th century. And the, within the 40 years, we have seen the most 
or biggest warming rate. And the, uh, and the seven most recent years have been the warmest we have ever experienced in this planet. So what we can say is this is as urgent as it can get. Um, but why should we care? And I think this is a question that it doesn't matter where you are located, where you are listening and how you have been attached to the climate before. What we, what we have seen is that uh, the increase of droughts, the flooding, uh, the agricultural yields, the disappearance of land are all getting closer and closer to our natural homes. And as a result, these dialogues have become more urgent and these talks between ourselves have become more important than ever. And I'm hoping and I'm very glad that Femiso have hosted this talk because it shows that there is no the attachment between who you are and who I am on this importance. And we have to act together if we are uh, to, to proceed in, in protecting our heritage uh, as a result of it. Excellent, thank you. Um, so it's something that you've touched upon a little bit, Pega. Um, so my next question will actually be, you know, why should young people care about this issue? Um, so perhaps Florence, you can, you can start on this one. Um, I mean, why not? <laughs> First, uh, because we all enjoying um, nature, we all enjoying uh, clear water, uh, drinking safe water, uh, breathing good air. I mean, this is human. <laughs> so um, more about like um, the um, activism aspect. Uh, I think that the, the youth is um, have more energy to give because it's uh, their future are involved. Uh, in this uh, issue um, and they are building this future. Um, I think it, it also gives hope. I, I mean, this is something that we have to, um, to think about when we think about activists and why the, the youth should be part of it. It's also the, the, the mental health issue. It is um, like being part of a, of a fight uh, or, or um, going against uh, um, a thing that we dislike or um, yeah, fighting for something we like. It is something that uh, value uh, our um, life and that give us purpose uh, into, into this life. So I think it gives hope to be part of um, this change. Uh, it gives a lot of energy too. Um, it gives knowledge, it gives a, a valuable life to ourselves um, in, this, um, in this moment, uh, in this, uh, uh, yeah, in this moment where sometimes we feel so much disconnected from um, ourselves, because I think the climate crisis is also connected to a faith crisis. Um, so it's, it's a part of, a, yeah, like going back to ourselves and how we, we've been um, sometimes raised, but the, the first contact with nature. No, yeah, thank you, absolutely. There's, why not should we care? Uh, as you've said, it's, and as Pega has said, you know, it, it's our home um, and, and it, it will affect us. Uh, anything else you'd like to add on, on this, Pega? Yes, of course, and I think, um... You know, if I'm if I am to talk statistical, and I'm, I think as a lawyer, I'm quite obsessed with it. Uh, so my apologies if I if I have that. Um, but one thing we need to notice is that uh, that young people and their access to rights is in danger, 
uh, and not only young people, we have, um, again, the whole world population. The fact that um, when they say right to education, if there is a if there is an endangerment to your life um, in your neighborhood where you need to migrate, for instance, there is no education. And one thing we need to notice is that uh, the devastation of climate crisis is going to be um, having its biggest impact to developing countries. And what's really staggering to me, and I think it's worth sharing, is that 85% of youth population around the world is living in developing countries. And if we are to consider that these 85% are going to be inadequately, um, let's say, or disproportionately impacted by climate crisis, then young people are the biggest uh, to be hit by climate change. Um, and this number is not something that, you know, you can just relocate. Uh, this is a huge number of population. And, and that only means that young people are facing social distress, as, as Florence said, the insecurity, the job, the culture, um, and also their health. And one thing if we notice is that young people tend to be stone ineligible to vote and are not in a position of leadership. And if we consider that 30% of the world population is under the age of 18, they can't even access their rights to voting yet. So how are they to talk about the climate change and raise awareness about it? And I think that perhaps goes in line with your next question on why is youth activism important? Because it's, it's the barrier or it's the bridging between young people and getting control over their, um, their human rights. That was great, thank you. And and you're right, it does it does perfectly bridge. Um I think you guys can just host yourself at that point. That's 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 really good. Thank you. Um no, yeah, so we've seen how much of an issue how it's imp how um, important this issue is, uh, especially for young people. So could you tell us what does youth activism around climate change, what climate action looks like um a little bit more? Or what it should look like. Who wants to start? Pega, Florence. Yes, I'll I'll break the cycle of it. <laughs> um, well, what we see here is that you know climate crisis is not something that's been brought up recently. If we date it back, the first written down paper in the United Nations was back in 1970s. And what we have seen here is that decision makers were well aware of this of uh, of the crisis, but what we have seen is that there is no binding instrument that protects young people and the world population around this uh, uh, around this issue, and there is nothing that has reduced the um, accelerating level of consequences that we are facing right now. So. What we've seen is that young people have said enough is enough and we want to take leadership. We want to start um, uh, having our views taken into consideration. Um, and, and as a result of that, young people have started to uh, say that, you know, we are the last generation who can reduce the consequences of climate change or even stop it entirely. So why wait until we are age of 30 or 40? And and this already has has accelerated a sense of empowerment. If we look at Greta Thunberg, and I, and I think we were all waiting for her name to pop up here tonight. Um, she has encouraged so many young activists 
And she was already empowered by a young activist before her and the ones that are coming up now. So it's, it's, it's a something that it's, it's quite, uh, let's say, addictive, where a young person who is empowered will empower others. And this has a replicating effect. Uh, so I think this is something that is uh, not new. And I'm hoping that we will only see this increasing by rate. Um, but again, I hope uh, I've, I've been clear on that. Uh, and, and Florence, please correct me if there, there was anything you would like to add. No, I, I really agree with this. And uh, yeah, maybe the thing I, I want to add for me, um, it looked for the past um, few years, it looked um, maybe very white. Uh, because uh, all the, the representation we saw was uh, only, um, I mean, mostly uh, white people. We forgot a lot of um, um, community. We forgot, for example, in the Amazon um, rainforest, um, people who were living there from many centuries. We forgot um, Amerindian, we forgot Indian, we forgot a lot of people who were um, in the fight from decades. And the thing is, um, it's give us um, the, the representation that it is an occidental um, issue. And also the occidental people have the, 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 the solution, uh, but it is not because they are part of the problem. Um, and even maybe sometime in like the center of the problem, um, I mean, our societies. Uh, and the thing is, uh, as you mentioned, Peggy, um, it is something that we have to realize when, when the youth um, have the, the right to um, raise their voice, to be represented, to represent them, themselves. Um, it is a right to be represented, to be, um, seen in the, the media and to to have like the the, the reality on on the ground because uh, in the media we do, do not have this uh, reality um, but it looks also like very positive to so to see uh, me, many of this uh, young um, sometimes children um, like being aware of their future uh, being aware of the climate situation. And also um, when Greta Thunberg uh, started um, a climate strike, um, it was very interesting because, for example, the amount of um, reconversion and burnout from um, the maybe 25 to 40 years old um, um, class um, very increased uh, from the, the, the start of the pandemic. And during this protest, we saw a lot of children that do not have any um, dreams for the future because they cannot, they cannot dream for the future because they do not know how it is going to be uh, in the future. And now the, the more um, uh, old um, peoples, are uh, facing their, I mean, their um, their need of a meaning of their work. They're, they they need to um, understand why they did this type of studies, why they are working in this type of industry. Um, they miss ethics. They miss um, a lot of um, meaningful um, work. 
uh, to give um, meaning to their life. So they are um, kind of, uh, yeah, reconversion, a lot of reconversion. And obviously we are not all uh, going to live into the forest and uh, educate our children in the forest to reconnect ourselves. It is very difficult sometimes, but I think the youth have this power. The youth have this um, amazing uh, passion and um, can implement every way of living because they are not old um still and they can change their way of living they can change their way of thinking and they can really go out of the boxes um that the society try to to give them well thank you that was both um for both of you it was a lot to take in and um very real very you know um gave a lot of insights um maybe a few things um like to follow up on and 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 to the next question perhaps as well as so you've mentioned a few things for instance Florence you, you started by mentioning that in terms of what did youth activism around climate action look like was it was until maybe recently very at least at the beginning or maybe because as big as I said it's not new so maybe when it really became um hyped or a thing it was mostly white um dominated um so may, perhaps we can talk about how we also how can we perhaps involve more young people of color, uh, whether it's in Europe or across the world, uh, as Pega has said, you know, with the stats that were quite impressive, that their youth is actually the most affected. And then this, the people from the South or the global South or um, developed countries are also going to be the most affected. So my question for you would be, taking this on and perhaps based on your experience, would you have any advice for young people from marginalized groups or backgrounds on how they can either care or also be more within youth activism. And through these questions, I was hoping that you can also tell us what should youth activism look like? Because you guys have mentioned Greta Thunberg and other names. And for instance, I know that if you were to ask me what's climate activism, I would tell you it's either DIYs to stop using a plastic bottle um, and do your own laundry and things of the sort, or uh, it could be just, you know, do protests and advocacy. So how, what would be your tips to young people of color um, to get more involved and to um, take on this journey and how to, to, to have an impact because it will impact them and just as well, how should youth activism around climate action look like? I'm letting you the choice, unless there's uh... I'll do it again. Okay, uh, thanks. Just because I, I know I will forget your questions. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. I think um, first thing we need to realize is that when we talk about youth activism, with respect to climate change, um, this is not a topic where you can say, I resonate with it or I do not. Um, there is a space for every individual to be an activist on climate change. And you can all do your own parts. You know, you can be the next striker or you can be the one who is facilitator, who is educating their own family members. You know, it, it's, it's something that you find your own place at. For me, it, it happened so suddenly. You know, I was studying in Geneva and... 
and I took a course on climate change and suddenly it was the only thing that I could think about. Um, and I realized that for me, it's in policy that I want to be. So there is no shoe that, you know, it's made for a specific group of people. Um, so you, whatever, whatever color, whatever background, whatever religion, whatever age you are, there is a place for you to contribute to this debate. Um, and when we talk about youth activism, it, there is a variety of things you can do or activism in general. Activism is about mandate building. It's about speaking up. It's about raising awareness and, and gathering like-minded people on a cause that is um, clearly undervalued or underdeveloped in a policy level. So for instance, there are ways you can do this. It's through peaceful protests, through striking, through education, through training, through facilitation, through public speaking, it, and, and also through petitions. So I'm sure there have been people knocking at your door saying, can you sign this petition on, I don't know, a very small topic. Um, so youth activism, um, in its own way, it's about you know, learning that there is a problem. And we are here today, me and Florence are here today to tell you that, yes, there is a problem. <laughs> and if you have, maybe it's the first time someone has told you there is a problem, and, and I, I'd be puzzled, but let's imagine that. From today, you can go and, and, and find your place. And to me, I, when I first came across this topic, I wanted information. And this is a topic that, you know, some people feel it's too big to swallow because it's uh, statistical, it's uh, scientists that are informing you, but it's very easy because the numbers are very easy to understand. The acknowledgement is very easy. And all you need to do is to read information about it. Once you learn uh, the information, then you can bring that perspective to your own life. How, where do you fit? Where for me, um, I'm Iranian, um, and for us, we celebrate the first day of spring. So our culture is very, very dependent on the reset of cycle of, of the environment. Because without it, my culture dies. Because we count when the first day of autumn arrives, when it ends, when the winter ends, and we celebrate the reset of the earth. And to me, I found out that this is why I care about the climate and, and why I want to safeguard it, because it's attached to my culture and my heritage. And the same goes with you. And, and there is something that you can always find. And, and, I, and again, I cannot stress enough. Read the information and make sure that information is credible, because if it's not credible, you'll be <laughs> soaked into this, um, what do they call it? these uh, flat land, flat earth people. Uh, I forgot what they're called. Flat uh, earthers? I, yeah, yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are uh, the one who get into denial of things. So yeah, make sure you read credible information. Um, and afterwards, you can find it relative to your understanding. But uh, I'll end it here because uh, there is other things I'd like to say, like how to contribute practically um and uh, and to the adults who are hearing this please empower your young people please let them to volunteer in, in in the events that are going around on climate change and if they don't have the time get them to donate 
to um you know there is these things like save a dolphin with one pound or something these all make young people sympathetic towards the environment and feel responsible to it so every little helps to 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 get this uh culture building up and once after that it, it's an easy ride um to policy making i'll stop there sorry florence if i over talk no worries i learned a lot <laughs> um yeah that, that's that's really true we need we need uh to be empowered by others too and we need to be free to try many things even if it failed uh it will help us in any ways in the future um what i learned from my um experience is there is a lot of activists from many 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 backgrounds even underrepresented more represented doesn't matter uh, there is a lot but the more we are um touching to the ecologists field, the, the environmental field, um, the agricultural field, uh, farming. Actually, there is a, a level where people do not care anymore about institutions, where they do not care about media. They are on the ground and they are working. And the thing is, they are doing so much great work. So for me, they are still existing from many centuries, but now they don't care about being misrepresented for um, um, for the work they are doing. But the thing is, we have—I mean, I have two um, um, two important um, um, advice uh, for the youth who want to be um, to engage themselves into the 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 green activism. There is one who are um, with um, misrepresented is the, the media field. So we can create our own medias. Um, and the second is to all the time um, ask for more and more representation. So going to um, creating our own media or trying to implement um, a good project or a good, um, I don't know, ideas um, into articles or um, any like newspapers or even at, at the TV trying to reach the peoples. Um, and the transmission of our passions will, will grow some, this is seeds and it will grow in any ways, even if it's not now, it will grow um, later. So it is very important to be sure that even if you are not represented, you are doing your your job. You are doing your uh, role as you define it, as um, you mentioned. It is something very, very important to do what you want to do, and not only because it is working or not working. I mean, there is a lot of uh, leadership um, training that are very good, but at at the end, we are working with our ourselves. So if it doesn't mean anything for you. And just like some words, and it is something that we have to keep in mind. Some are are made for doing things on the ground. Some are made for um, rep represent to to raise the voice to to speak about something very well. But the thing is, we we have to remember that when you went through a process of learning, when you went through a, a process of advocating for something, 
you have to share something that you have been already lived, that you are already experienced um, before speaking of it, because it will impact way more than, uh, than the other way. And maybe if we have time, I can just add something. <laughs> I, I just realized that uh, at the end that even if we think that we are fighting some like very specific issue, for me, we are fighting fears. We are all the time battling against fears, even if it's our own fears, uh, our own limits. Uh, most of it, it, it is a lack of representation of minority backgrounds. It is fears of others. Uh, if it's, for example, a lack of representation of agricultures um, of, or farmers, this is a lack of representation. This is a lack of um, um, knowledge about um, profession and everything about the others. So we are battling against fears, uh, against, I don't know, people are afraid to change their comfort they are afraid to, even if, if we are winning skills and freedom from this, um, this change. So it is very important to, to realize that if there is fear, we can go and tackle that fear first. Um, and this is very powerful if we try it. Um, that's all, that, win, that won a lot of battles um, in the past. So... I think it's very, very important. Thank you. I'm glad you added that point as well. Note that we should utilize uh, this, you know, fear as fuel to move forward and drive change in us, and not have it incapacitate us uh, and 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 be stuck. Um, so if you don't, guys, sorry, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't add my um, my <laughs> my oh, my right. Uh, okay, just just only for me. It's for me. My like ideal um, representation of youth will be um, new farmers, a new concept of farmers, like making farming uh, so um, hype. <laughs> then we want to to connect ourselves with with grass, with with animals, with everything, because it is everything. It is ecosystems. So yeah. Make farm, make, make farming cool again. Yeah. <laughs> I think those were very good, different, yet both valuable and important perspectives. And they represent the two sides, but that are complementary to the climate action and climate justice fight. And we have we need both the policy lobbying and the policy changes to have that effective change in the ground in the way we are living and the way we're consuming. Um, so thank you, Bo, that was, that was, um, that was really good. Um, so you've talked about interesting things and you've mentioned how, you know, activism is, is, it's a life kind of way of life and it grants you the skills uh, for, for moving forward and, and that you should get involved no matter what. Now, let's say we have some youth that are already involved around climate action, but are not necessarily where they want to be at. So this question might be driven a little bit more towards Pega or both Florence, but it's more a little bit policy driven. And um, we've talked about 
so far we've it felt like youth in climate justice was more about advocacy it was more about you know protesting and campaigning um, and you've said that this is what really struck you. It was the policy changes. So could you tell us about perhaps for the youth watching this, but also for those that aren't in the youth anymore, but have a way to enable, to let the youth come in, how could the youth take part into these decision-making processes? Sorry, I was writing a question. Just, you know, I, I want to make sure I don't forget it. Um, well. To be honest, uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in policymaking and stressing the importance of young people in uh, participation during policymaking negotiations. And there is no best model, but one thing uh, that I've heard a lot, and it, and it started to annoy me a bit, is that when decision makers say that young people are the leaders of tomorrow, that is a completely incorrect way of thinking about young people in leadership, in policymaking. Young people are leaders of today, regardless of topic, and especially on the topic of climate crisis. And that's because young people have really taken the initiative to be educated, to be aware, to, to change policymaking. And you cannot put them on reserve until they are 30 or 40 because this is a topic that you cannot wait. Um, and, and as a result, I think young people need to be active right now at all levels of decision-making. You might think this is too burdensome, but you are, if, if, if this is your mindset, you, I think you're underestimating young people as well, because young people in themselves know their needs the best, just like any other group. Young people are, I mean, the world is full of young people, and I think it's the biggest number yet on how the population around the world is. We are the youngest yet to be. Um, and as a result of that, um, we cannot be ruled by 20% of the population. Uh, that, that's in all honesty. So one methodology that I found very useful to involve young people is a co-managed structure. What this means is that young people will sit with decision makers, civil servants, and, will, and their opinion will be treated as equally important as those of prime minister or whoever is sat at the decision making table. This means that their decision, that their opinions isn't optional to consider. It means that uh, they also um, are participating as an equal agent of change. And as a result, they feel equally responsible for the future that they are shaping. So for me, I think this is one way. If, if you're an adult, if you're a decision maker, listen to this right now, consider involving young people meaningfully rather than a tokenistic method. Because we, I think you're also aware that there is this checklist criteria involving minorities, tick, involving Muslims tick, involving young people tick. But as a result, when the policy is finalized, you see none of that implemented. And that's because it's used in a tokenistic method. So once you actually incorporate young people as equal agents of change in the policymaking decisions, not only you empower them, but you also make them accountable for the, for the decisions that they are putting forward. 
Um, so this is one way that I, uh, I suggest, but also adults who have young people, uh, like I said before, get them to reconnect, as Florence said, with the nature. Let them, tell them that they are accountable for their future that they set, and also help them to change their way of living, the carbon footprint, plastic use. All of these are percentages that count up to big numbers uh, in the end. Littering, I think, you know, if your parents do it, you will do it too. It, it, it's something that you pick up, right? So if you change that within yourself, your children will follow your leadership as well. So it's, it's all the little that helps, which counts to the bigger number. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll stop there <laughs> because I could waffle for ages on this. Uh, so I'll stop myself. Uh, but Florence, please take the floor. Yeah, I think about more like a practical um, stuff. It, it, it is um, uh, not the only way to, to do it. It is a way uh, that is uh, very, very efficient. Um, so during all this um, advocacy years, I learned that people I, are very, very um, care a lot, even if they're not aware, they care a lot about the environment, way more than we think. Uh, but the communication is key and um, the way we are interacting with us, uh, with them, sorry, um, cannot be too um, frontal. So the thing is, we we had we as an advocate, we have to find a way to um, interact with them. First of all, if they are also advocating, um, we can um, I mean make them realize that um, they need to be aware of everything to have the knowledge to share the knowledge. Um, the because. I really do believe that if we understand the magnificent uh, of nature, we cannot go against it. We cannot act uh, in a bad way. It is not possible. If we understand the biology, the, the ecosystemic uh, aspect of the world, if we understand permaculture, if we understand the, all the ecosystems, we can, we can only be amazed about it. We cannot, we will change it. We will change our behavior. We will like simply change our behavior. And the thing is also that I learned that a country strategy is way more um, powerful than a positive mind and passion um, sometimes. And very, very uh, efficient way for a young activist is to be aware where his money goes. So strong lobbying is a way to do a real, to be part of a, a political um, selection on which lobby will have the influence, the power to vote some, to have pressure on the, the European Council and to make some law pass or not. We can think about total um, that's, um, um, that um, make the, the Council of Europe um, choose to avoid the, the, the law of non uh, using uh, palm oil into um, the fuel. Um, they, 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 so we pass some law and then the lobbying have pressure on the council and then we, we lose it. We lose it. It was our law. We, we created it. Uh, in France right now, they ask to 
140 person, I think maybe more, uh, to create um, amendment uh, of a climate law. And now they are reducing each law to something very non even interesting for the planet because of lobbying. So we are losing our power because of lobbying. So if we are boycotting each brands that are not ethics, that are not sustainable, that make people suffering in the world, we are winning. But for this, we have to go in our um, non-comfort zone and to be uh, sure to not being someone because I don't have this brand or I don't have um, that things. But at our time now, we cannot promote any brand that are not ethical. I think about Amazon. I think about a lot of uh, fast fashion brands. This is not a way to live. This is not a way to um, to to implement a new sustainable um, area and planet. And this is not uh, like this that we are going to grow and that we are going to 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 raise. Um, spiritually, um, even physically, because that doesn't make sense to, to, to waste the soil and to be sick after this. The, the, the pharmaceutical lobbying are so happy right now and the, and the, the, the soil also, uh, pesticide industry are so happy and yeah, <laughs> they are connected. So this is very something that yeah. we need to be aware and we need to have the knowledge of everything. If it's nature, if it's industries, if we are aware of it, we know how to act. And we can be part of the politics. We can be part of everything we want. For example, right now, there is a lot of young activists that are in the street and they try to make the more biggest protest in the world during one month in front of the, Europe, uh, of the French, um, um, I don't have the word, um, the French, uh, em not embassy. Um, the bank? No, um, not parliament. Um, maybe parliament. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, to change uh, the fact that the citizens uh, create uh, amendments and the, the president do oh, not respect. Yeah. Uh, so they are in the street and they are planting their tents and they are staying there uh, to make the people voice count. And this is also a way uh, which work um, then regarding our money and where it goes. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the both of you. Um, I think some things that come out of it is, you know, we need to educate ourselves, be aware of the context uh, so we understand the different dynamics and whether it's about lobbying and where are the interests um, and then a campaign again, but also, um, as young people to actively take part into all of decision-making processes and and to show that it's we're not just there um, to be tokenized and to to have the institutions be more legitimate, but because we actually have an, an added value um, to bring to the table. Uh, so thanks to the both of you. Um, we talked about young people and youth activism, there's something I want to have a look at, which is maybe youth organizations, civil society organizations, because we know that when it comes to youth organization, um, youth activism, sorry, youth organizations are, you know, um, an incubator. They're really 
a platform which grants opportunity to young people to grow and develop and get into activism. But we can see sometimes that just like CSO, civil society organizations, NGOs, have a great role and a great influence to, to play when it comes to changes, sometimes it's not always, climate action is not always at the top of their agenda. Sometimes it's understandable, unfortunately, because they might have more pressing, urgent matter. But what would be your advice to you know, young people watching this now that are coming from young youth organizations? How, how should they engage with the questions? What should they maybe incorporate in their organizations? I know, for instance, Florence Femisa, you're doing an environmental advocacy program and yourself, Peggy, you came from the British National Council. So maybe you have some, some tips for them on, on, on how to start, like you said, Pega, we should start by changing ourselves and we'll change others. So as a youth organization, how do you change yourself and your members? He wants to start. Can I, can I start? Okay. <laughs> I think they do not, they shouldn't ask themselves the question. They have to. It is, I mean, this is a, a, like a responsibility of everyone as a citizen um, to use this right uh, to breathe good air and to give future to our children. This is actually the, the yeah, this is also a mental health um, issue matter. We have to be, I mean, we have to ensure that the peaceful, um, peace societies uh, in the future, and we are not taking this way right now. Um, too much people are leaving their home because of, um, food and farming um, insecurity or water insecurity. Um, this is also a mental health um, traumatic uh, issue. We have to realize that we have this responsibility. Um, also, I think it worked for me that I have stayed um, in organization because twice I've been um, supported um, by, by the presidents of these organizations, not only peoples, but the also- hmm? The leaders. Yes, also the leaders who give um, a representation. So for example, in the Muslim community, if an imam of a mosque lead a project or uh, support um, young activists from the mosque and show that ecology is part of our dean of our actions, it will show to the all Muslim community that is part of our religion. And it is not something that we can dissociate, dissociate it from our, um, our living. It is not something that we can have the same reward that taking care of the earth um, than other uh, type of actions. It is also something that connects every one of us on the earth. And it is very, very beautiful uh, to feel connected. So I will recommend, even if the people are sometimes a bit, you know, um, not too into ecological stuff, we can start very, very simply. People just need to realize that they are feeling good into nature. 
for this for children is very very simple you put them in the nature they know how to, how how it works and they do what they want but for the 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 use it is very important to reconnect them to what they they, they like if it's animals or everything like nature mountains you can you can really break your own limits uh, doing hiking um so as an organization you can just organize events events or like um i don't know meditations um some activities that connect everyone to nature and everyone to themselves also because we are being part of it um yeah and to support like strongly support um projects that's the base thank you florence take care whenever you're ready Yes. Um, well, to just speak practically about this, uh, as a chairperson of programming committee, you know, we uh, provide funding to youth organizations uh, that want to work um, uh, on this topic. And um, so I encourage if you haven't done so already, if you have an idea on how to mobilize young people on climate change um, and, and climate activism, then uh, the door is always open. You can always submit applications, and if unsure, the staff always there. So, so I think funding and and provision of fundings are, are a very important tool uh, to youth organisations who are interested in this work. Um, and like I said before, this is this isn't a topic where you can say, does it relate to me or does it not? I think every youth organisation, and I think Femiso in itself, they have a signature. Uh, towards this topic. Uh, you provide a perspective that perhaps another youth organization doesn't have the capacity or the expertise to provide. So it's important for you to have this dialogue. So how does faith link to climate change? How can you provide a support in, in, in changing this narrative and also driving this initiative? So I think don't underestimate your expertise that your youth organization has. You provide a perspective that I don't have, and I and I think it's an expertise that I need to know where you can provide for me uh, as a as a decision maker, as a policymaker, as a researcher. You know, um, all of these are important. Um, but again, don't forget your signature. Your youth organization is an is an expert on a topic, and I'm not asking you to forget that because there's a crisis. Um, I think you need to prioritize your own work, um, but at the same time, find a space within your organization that can keep this topic going on a long-term basis. Um, for instance, an expert who uh, fits your youth organization uh, and has an expertise on this topic or has an interest in this topic, uh, because they will drive this topic forward within your organization. And I think that's important. And I think like Florence right now is is the person here from Femiso who um, potentially I will hear a lot about uh, because she is the one working in this topic and is has the expertise of Femiso. So I think you need to continue this and make sure it's a long-term project within your youth organization because decision makers need to know about your perspective and, and, and the expertise that your youth organization has. Um, and again, create uh, a replication effect from your youth organization to your target audience. Uh, you will, you'll be um, 
amazed on how many young youth and young people you reach who are interested in this topic, who yet do not know because they have never cross-linked the topics and the themes. For instance, those who are, you know, affiliated to, to, to a religion, but yet do not know how this, uh, how the environment plays a role to their faith. Once you connect that, that, that interest steers up. It, 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 it's self-financed, you know, in itself. And as a result, you mobilize young people without knowing it. Um, so, yeah. So I think uh, keep doing what you're doing and uh, make it a long-term goal. And, and thankfully, we have the budget. Um, and there are a lot of, uh, let's say, member states and, and institutions who, who are looking for the expertise that you have. If I may, I can just jump into what, okay. Um, when, when you say that um, I have a, a very, um, like a, I have an image in my head right now. Um, so we were in a meeting with my team uh, that haven't uh, all um, reached for their um, climate uh, advocacy um, um, skills. Um, but they were so into this project. So it was a training, like a, um, um, it's called um, Take Action. Uh, it is a training for um, green uh, advocates. Funded um, by um, <laughs> Pegas Programming Committee. So this is the funding about <laughs> the uh, EYF from the Council of Europe. <laughs> so this is the perfect yes. example of your yeah, project. Exactly implement developing trainings uh, yes. with the funding. And they were so into the project without knowing that they will um, like it so much. And they, they were like realizing um, that it gave them so much uh, into their uh, faith and into their um, um, perspective or their religion it was very very amazing and all the people into this team it's also i think a tool for others uh, who wants to improve the, the green uh, activists in their um, um, in their organization as i mentioned as i, I mentioned uh, before the knowledge of things is essential and we have um, um, a discussion time uh, each uh, week where um, uh, everyone is um, uh, preparing a, a subject every every week and we are um, like creating our own uh, knowledge our own um, uh, toolkits uh, that we that that is really really helping us and um, making even me aware of a lot of things that I didn't know. So activists, activists, activists sorry, um, have the, the duty also to educate themselves all the time. It is very, very, very important. And we can also use the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, that is helping us to know how to have an impact as a political European living worldwide level in our um, own um, projects that really, really uh, help us to create good projects. All right, thank you. I think we will be slowly reaching to an end, but um, we've had um, an audience questions that was 
I think, uh, appeared twice. So this is another reminder to the audience to um, grab this opportunity now to ask any questions to Pagan and Florence. Um, and I, I think it's something you actually both touched upon when we were talking about civil society organizations, but also communities. And it's the idea of that for some people, fighting the fight for climate justice might be a privilege because they are coming from certain minorities or groups where they have more urgent matters to be concerned about. The question uh, from Ibtihel, thank you Ibtihel, is for instance for Muslims in the specific context of uh, Islamophobia during the pandemic, so Muslims don't see the climate emergency as a priority because they're seeing their access to the rights uh, as, as a more important one when it comes to you know, the pyramid of needs. And so it might be difficult to empower, in this case, the Muslim community and ecology, but this is applicable to all communities, right? If some are, are, are facing anti-Blackness, racism or anti-Roma discriminations, etc. So when you are from minorities, or where you are doing the fight for racial justice or social justice or the fight for your human rights, how can you as a not person try to empower your community around, again around this fight for climate justice? So, you know, there was a few points that you guys mentioned, I know, um, but um, how basically do you bring the discussion to the table? And uh, I think you halfway answered the question. I just wanted to make sure that you, we gave you the space for it. Okay, Pega, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so uh, basically, uh, I was going to end my discussion or contribution today with this. Um, and there is this, let's say, theory that tackling climate change is only for the rich to do, um, which unfortunately to some extent is true because of course they have the biggest resources and, and so forth. But uh, one thing that we sometimes forget is that the consequences of climate change will not be felt by the rich. It will be felt by those who are already marginalized, who are already poor, who are already dis at a disadvantage, which means that for us, I mean, I'm a minority myself, uh, the urgency of protecting the minority should be, you know, going ahead at a faster pace than than other groups um, who are not at a disadvantage as, as it stands, simply because we don't want to address the problem when it's there, when it's visible, when it's already suffocating us. We need to address it before it starts doing that. Um, and, and, and that is fundamental. We need to acknowledge that you know black lives matter the fact that black minorities are the ones who are in a lower class background who live in the worst located locations in their city in their towns in their villages they have less resources to relocate if they need to and when there is a you know a heat wave they are the ones who can least afford um, a, a cooling system, you know, it, it goes way back to practical stuff. Um, for instance, there was um, a case of a young boy who couldn't go to school in California because his parents couldn't afford 
a, a cooler system in the house. So they had to move to like a rural area in America because they could they couldn't you know live every day in a normal way. So what I can say to you is that although you might feel as though you know your clear discrimination takes priority, climate crisis is part of it. It you might not see it, but it's there. Um, and once you know these impacts start crystallizing in your everyday life, that's when it's too late. That's when you will be, you know, trying to strangle with the reality with very limited resources. Um, so uh, that's why I say this is part of your discrimination. This is part of your problem. And once you realize how to deal with it and how to voice your opinion, like I said, Join a youth organization that, you know, resonates with you and start the debate if it's not already there and say how you want to be protected to decision makers. Because I assure you, if you don't do it, no one else will. And, and, and it starts from you. And then start, you know, as, as hard as it sounds, start your protection measures, you know, a survival method. <laughs> what to do if if your family cannot afford a cooler you know you need to think in advance because at the current rate there's very little that will help you um so yeah implement it in your unfortunately segregated you know marginalized behavior because it, it's there unfortunately um but yeah thank you thanks a lot you're still um, processing what she just said? Me too. <laughs> I'm also realizing that I'm not the best person uh, to talk about this because for me at the beginning, I mean, it was always easy. Um, I am white. My parents are not uh, Muslims. Um, I have a French name. Um, everything, like I... I when I wear a turban, people do not realize that I have some connection um, with Islam. But, you know, sometimes it's also in our own mind to have like some um, specific um, ideas about what we are looking like and what people should understand about our looks. Um, but the thing is, uh, as you mentioned it before, um, my parents gave me gave me a legacy, um, and it was taking care of the earth. Uh, I think it was because we were um, we weren't poor, so we had the time to think about it. We had the time to uh, go into nature to educate ourselves about nature. Um, I never thought about like putting a, a waste on the road. I, it, it was part of my education um, when I realized it, uh, that uh, it was one of the biggest responsibility in Islam more than in the Jewish um, Torah or uh, in the, 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 um, the Bible. Um, I was like, okay, we need to take care of this. We need to be aware of this. Uh, we need to know about uh, what is good and what is not. We have example in the Sunnah. So what can we do? But after this, I went to like a, a very long process, even in the Muslim community was very, very hard sometimes. And um, in August, we did a thing with my ecologist um, uh, 
friends, uh, Muslim friends, uh, that we created a new organization for um, ecologist Muslim. So we start in Paris and we went to Marseille, what is the uh, like a total opposite point uh, by bicycle. Um, and uh, so it was more than 800 kilometers. Uh, so we start and we try to go from mosque to mosque and people were like following us. Even the mosque that didn't start to think about ecology welcomed us and opened their doors even in the pandemic um, situation, you can realize. Um, so it was like amazing. We went to a very, very teeny, teeny village with people on the uh, tractor. I don't know, like trucks, uh, you know, for um, uh, harvest. Uh, and they were like, hey, and girls were hijab and we, we get stuck into village. We, we, we were helped by people and we did not realize that there was no Islamophobia at, at the time. We didn't meet any people. We didn't met any people who were um, like uh, very violent to us. Nothing. But the thing is, sometimes it's because they do not feel uh, afraid by people who are like riding bicycles. That <laughs> it, it is. It is kind of um, crazy. But it is not the first thing they see. They see people struggling into mountains on a bicycle, and and like you know share with them like hey go go you can do it this kind of things so we we got this kind of re reaction and i was just like thinking ecology bring us together if we are not like solving the problem together we are all dying together like, we are all dying together we are in the same boat and also if we are focusing too much on islamophobia we can also focusing on ecology because if we are solving the 2050 um, challenge about food systems and we are all begin farmers in 2050 i swear to you they will not have any islamophobia um even like uh, trust <laughs> i don't know in english even like even a teeny yeah because we, we are going to 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 sell every every um, mm -hmm. um, vegetables for example you know when we are in a very basic uh, conception of life we do not think about racism because we are in front of the death if we don't do not have any enough vegetables for the world if we do not have any farmers in the world we are stuck so Thank you. Yeah, I know. I speak a lot about. Fun. No, no, no. It was a genuine thank you. <laughs> it's it's important to be passionate, and I think it also passed on more the the message. And that was that was that was very good. I just want to say, Florence, don't earn mind um, the fact that you might still be facing the discrimination of minorities just because you wouldn't be fitting whatever idea we have what is that minority muslims isn't just about uh, the background of the yeah so, no but i i i was thinking that i am part of this uh, I know. educated and okay well-being okay, okay. and it is very easy to advocate because i'm in this situation so i have more responsibility than others because i am let's say um okay so we are Coming to an end, um, before we wrap up completely with some insights, 
this is going to be maybe there your kind of like last chance to take the floor if you have any you know anecdote or advice insights that you'd like to share to the audience um please go ahead I think I'll start with one thing, um, you know, and I'm being stereotypical huh? because I'm, I'm a Muslim myself who is located to a certain location, right? Um, being born in Iran, you know, and, and my, my father is Kuwaiti. And, you know, for me, one thing that my, my grandfather told me when I said, oh, I'm, I want to be an environmental lawyer is that he said, you know, we make earning by selling fossils, right? And <laughs> and for me, I was like, yeah, that's the point. I think that's what I disagree about. <laughs> and um, and I realized that, you know, especially Muslims from my community, let's say, and, and I'm expecting that, you know, the geographical locations are a little bit stigma-y. Um, I apologize for that. Um, for instance, people in Iran and, and these locations, they are told that their way of being economically independent is by selling fossil fuels. It's, that is our way of advancement, right? Um, this is how our country will get rich. This is how our race will continue. I'm here to tell you this is incorrect. This is completely, completely incorrect because even if we are to make an earning by ac accelerating our earning through fossil fuel, it, it's like a cycle that will come back. And because the more that you sell, the more you produce, the more costly it becomes to take care of our climate because the problem just gets bigger, bigger and bigger, right? Um, and one thing I've noticed is that the countries that are the ones producing the consequence towards climate change are the ones who are least prepared when dealing with climate change. So this is something I've tried to even educate my own family. Like, no, fossil fuels are not the reason why, you know, my family is okay and independent. It's because of other work that, you know, my grandparents have done. Um, so one thing that I'd like to talk to fellow Muslims as well is that we can be a sustained group of uh, minorities other than the way that, you know, by generations we have done so. Um, so please do not get tied to the stereotype that, you know, fossil fuels are a reason for our development and uh, climate activists want to hinder us from this um, development. This is not the case at all, at all. We are on the same page and please do not feed to this stereotype. And maybe you don't resonate to this, but I've heard it, you know, and, and maybe you have as well in some ways. So please uh, do not feed into that. And one thing I'd like to close with is that please do not underestimate the role that you play as young people. It's never too late to start uh, and, and it's never too late to find your signature on, on our common fight for, uh, for, for an ecological future. Um, and, and remember that if we start now, we are already advancing many years for, for a, um, 
immediate consequence. And, and I hope that the day that we have climate change at our front door and we have to survive never arrives. And, and, and please do not lose faith because um, we have amazing young people who are leading this debate, including within your youth organization and Florence herself. These inspirations are what will drive us forward, regardless of what role we play in this. Um, and I hope that you felt a sense of motivation within this journey tonight, and, and you will be able to join us with this as well. Um, and hopefully I'll, uh, hear about you soon or see you soon uh, in, in, in our common fight for a healthy environment. Um, and I'll end it here. <laughs> Thank you, Pega. Beautiful way to end it. Um, I will just say again <laughs> that um, climate justice cannot go without social justice. So where we are putting our money is very essential. We are more than, than the people who are taking decision. They are taking decision regarding the amount of money they have. So um, yeah, just to keep in mind that we have this power at least uh, if we are organized. <laughs> and for example, the Maroc Morocco um, show us that boycott is very, very, very efficient um, with your play case. Um, and um, many other countries too. Um, and I, I want also to add, um, because you said that uh, every, every, even teeny actions from activists um, are very powerful and, and needed. Uh, we have to ensure every one of us, even if we are not into this fight, that we support them and we do not let them to, um, to lose their faith into humanity. They lose uh, their um, power and passion about them, about, about the subject, sorry, uh, because it is very easy uh, in this field to be very, very um, impacted by, by the the, the issue actually, um, it's also called as a, uh, like a stress, um, like a climate stress uh, that can very, very impact our mind. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are like very into the, the en environment and you really, really value it, you can get very, like very affected by the situation. Sometimes you cannot just go out from like during three days because you do not understand how the the world goes so it's very very important to support them to make the, the project or the 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 situ like i mean the organization being the most sustainable possible like as possible because actually if they do not have the time to uh, make a good uh, legacy a good transmission um they will not have um we will lose that um mm. that, that power uh, I remember that Femiso created um, in 2012, I think, a very, very good campaign, Green Up My Community. And when you go to a new organization, you have to be aware what have been done before, what can I reuse? It's also like a, a, um, 
uh, a compost. So you, you're making a new uh, energy with um, old energy uh, and you start with uh, like on the ground. So you try to reuse what has been done to make it uh, exist in the future and trying to be better uh, in that way. So it's very, very important to support those people who can do this if you do not. And it's very important also to do the little you can, even if it's um, grabbing some paper on the, uh, on the in the street, some ways, sorry, uh, in the street. So yeah, so always support that people who do a lot and there is a lot in our community too. Um, yeah, please follow some Instagrams. Like there is a lot now. There is a lot, a lot, a lot. And a lot of feminist, uh, ecologists, black women underrepresented in every way um, that do um, amazing work. Thank you. Thank you, Florence. Um, you mentioned something, so I'm just going to really quickly plug it in. And uh, when you talked about climate justice cannot be done without racial or social justice, there's also a new European organization called Union of Justice. And you can, um, and they're organizing next week or every day and one online session on um, a practical guide on how to gain the knowledge and the skills to become a, a climate activist. It's it's for people of color, but not only. So it's it's also to empower and bring an effective change. So you can check them out on their website, unionofjustice.com. And uh, on this, I will I will end. I'll just perhaps share some gems that our two uh, great speakers have um, passed on to us today. Um, so a few a few kind of things that struck me and and that I kept were you know, how to, to start is by educating yourself, um, but also to be assured that there is no one fits all path or shoe. So as Vega said, to find the shoe that fits you. And this means that you can be active either through advocacy, through active participation and decision-making, but also through forming and, um, you know, changing your your um your consumptions you the way you live the way what you buy how you buy it because this is also your responsibility and to remember that when you change yourself then you can change those around you and eventually hopefully the world and for youth organizations and communities to remember that there are opportunities out there such as funding for you to be able to carry on things to develop your members and your, your target audience and you can start at any level to raise awareness, to train the super climate uh, advocates and to not underesti uh, and underestimate the expertise that you have, as well as to preserve the niche, the signature, uh, because if you exist for such a dedicated group, it's for a reason. So it's OK to not be on the front of all battles, but it does not mean that those battles are not interlinked and that it would be um, an illusion to think that climate action isn't part of discriminations and isn't part of what's affecting us all. And to keep this in mind as a long-term goal, and if your, your um, target audience are Muslims or believers of other faiths, that uh, the fight for climate ac um, action is part of the faith itself. Um, so really, I'd like to thank you everyone for listening in uh, to Feminister Now. 
Um, it was your host Hiba with our guests Pega, uh, Molana and Florence Fouilly. Thank you both for joining us today and sharing your expertise and insights and experiences. We hope everyone enjoyed our deep dive into uh, climate activists. And uh, to everyone listening, watching, make sure to subscribe, share and follow Femiso on our different platforms so we can all work together for a more diverse, cohesive and vibrant Europe. And join us next week for another episode of Femiso Now where we will this time have a look at a youth-led campaign on mental health in a post-pandemic world. Thank you everyone, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Thank you.